Hey everybody, welcome to Applying to Everything, a show about our passions, the world, and where they overlap. I'm your host, Bruno Falcon. This week, I sit down with actor, producer, and political wonk Scott Brown to talk about politics, acting, and performing on stage and in office. Enjoy! You, uh, you grew up in, in the area, right? Your family's from around the city. What kept you in the city, in the area? Yeah, you know, I was spending, you know, when I graduated college, I spent a lot more time in, on the Baltimore side of things just because Columbia's a lot closer. Um, and then I started getting gigs in D.C. and uh, just absolutely fell in love with the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people say a lot of bad things about Washington, D.C. as a city, being a, a swamp and um, the people that are in it are horrible people. But uh, if you actually kind of take the time and, and look around and, and kind of take in the city, it is absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. And every time that I'm downtown, I mean, you know, having been a, a D.C. tour guide for a few years, having, you know, just every, anytime I'm downtown, especially around the National Mall and I see these, uh, the Capitol and the White House and all of this history, it is absolutely beautiful and i just i just love it and uh think that dc is very diverse and so many things are happening in the city outside of all of the political mess um and i just uh never wanted to leave so yeah i've stayed i feel like a lot of people who don't live inside of the city or and and a fair amount who do don't realize how strong the theater community in dc is yeah they say that dc's got the second biggest theater community next to new york as far as numbers of uh of theater so um yeah the theater community is awesome here um it really is just a an actual community um and yeah it's just there's a lot happening in this city Mm -hmm. and you so i know you currently are with synetic and have been for for a while have you been with synetic for most of the time you've been performing in dc yeah so when i graduated college i got my first professional gig at toby's dinner theater in baltimore it was their first show beauty and the beast is what they open with uh in their new location in baltimore their main um theater is in columbia and uh i did a show with them and then somehow miraculously got an audition with synetic uh, immediately after that Got my first show there, and I have been with them ever since. I've actually, this at the end of this month, is going to be my 10-year anniversary uh, being a company member with Synetic Theater, which is absolutely insane because I've never stuck with anything that long ever. Um, so uh, the fact that I've stayed with Synetic for this long is actually a really big deal. Um, so yeah, I've been with them, gosh, ever since. Congrats. I mean, that's, I mean, 10 years at a company is awesome yeah and it's great um you know nobody likes to audition um i don't think any of my actor friends love to audition mm-hmm. and uh synetic because i'm a company member they just call me up and say hey scott we want you to be in the show and i'll either say yes or no depending on my schedule but uh most of the time i say yes and i've just had the constant work steady work with them um for the past decade and it's been fantastic <laughs> so i've talked to I've talked to a handful of actors, not both on and off the show, um, about what got them into acting. Um, and I'm curious, I'm curious to hear what, what brought, what brought you to acting, but also what keeps you with Synetic, because I know that Synetic has a very unique approach to some of the way they do shows. Yeah. So I, you know, my father, uh, was a Methodist minister, um, but he actually got his bachelor's in theater, um, and, you know, he was the one preacher that I could listen to because he merged 
theater with uh, theology and and was able to uh, preach in a way that um, just made me pay attention. I thought that was pretty pretty awesome. Um, he even included my brother and I. I've got a, a twin brother. Uh, he and I would like you know pretend to be the voice of God in the background as he's you know giving his sermon. We had a script that we would read. He would include us in it, and you know we would always be in the church plays, and he would direct those. And so I'd always been kind of surrounded with um, with theater, uh, mainly because my father. Um, but it was actually my twin brother who auditioned and got his first show um, doing, it was Bye Bye Birdie, and it was his freshman year of, of high school, our freshman mm-hmm. year of high school. And I went to see him uh, in the show, and I thought, wow, that's really awesome. I, I want to try that. So <laughs> sophomore year of high school, I auditioned for Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Mm-hmm. Um, I was one of the brothers, and so was my brother. Uh, we were both in the show, and it wasn't until... The first, pretty much opening night when we had an audience, when I went out to basically bow after the show was over, and um, just that feeling when everybody was clapping and just being up there was, I was like, yeah, this is cool. I could keep doing this. Um, so I kept doing it. <laughs> and uh, as far as kind of why I stuck with Synetic, uh, you know, Synetic is just a very unique theater company. Um, it's really kind of hard to explain what they do. Um, we're, you know, it's a movement-based theater company. It's physical theater. It really blends a lot of different um, forms of theater as far as you know, physical combat, mime, dance, uh, just so many different things that, that really pushes me and mm-hmm. really challenges me. Um, and you know, a lot of the stuff they do, they really kind of push the boundaries as far as um, trying new things and coming up with new ways to tell a story mm-hmm. and um yeah they've just been great i mean i've been lucky enough to tour with them as well i mean they've taken me to mexico you know all over the east coast they've taken me to the republic of georgia a place i thought i would never visit in my lifetime and absolutely loved it um so yeah it's been one hell of a ride coming from the dc area and like especially talking about the way audiences play into the experience of theater as an actor what what sort of things have you noticed going into other spaces? What sort of things have you noticed going into other, uh, into other audiences, into other parts of the country or parts of the world in terms of how people experience theater? And do you think, I mean, synetic with the very physical brand of theater that they do, do you think that translates a little bit more easily across spaces than, than other forms? Yeah. So it's an interesting question. So I, I, I do think there is a difference as far as audiences and, and, and where we go and how they react to our style of theater, um, probably just any theater. Um, I think the DC audience, while you know I've loved the DC audience, I think a lot of them are, I don't know, they're just not they're not as interested in seeing our shows just because we've been around a while. Mm-hmm. And whereas you know we kind of blew them away in the beginning, I think they I don't know if they're just getting a little, um, lethargic and seeing some of our shows um so i will say where i where i find the most joy is when we do tour because you know we'll go into a space of of an audience that has never seen what we do and they are just absolutely blown away um you know we do talkbacks and and people ask questions and just say they say comments and they're just you know, some of the comments that people make are just like that is just the most incredible thing i've ever witnessed on stage i've never seen something like that um and another thing you know when we were in the republic of georgia we had what must have been a 20 minute curtain call. And I ran, I, and I mean that a full 20 minutes of an audience 
uh, standing up and clapping wow. before we left the stage. I have never experienced something like that. Usually, especially in America, an audience is like, okay, show's over or wherever they are, whether it's a sporting event, they say, okay, it's over. I got to be traffic. Let's go. And mm-hmm. then they rush out the door. Um, this audience stayed there and stood there and clapped for literally 20 minutes. And we just bowed. We must have bowed like 30 times. Um, it was the, it was the most surreal thing I've ever seen. Uh, it was just the, the amount of respect that was given. Yeah. Um, unfortunately it's just, you know, people are just in such a hurry around DC and they just rush out. And, um, so yeah, it was very different going somewhere else and being in different countries, even in Mexico too. Um, they're just, uh, seem to just to appreciate art uh, a little bit more than what I've been witnessing around DC lately. Yeah. It's hard to escape the politics in DC. Yeah. Both in the artistic sphere when it it's, it's always overlapping. Everyone's looking for what angle, what bit of commentary, what are, what are you pointing at or what are you trying to say? And also when the theater community is sometimes as political as anything else. Yeah. Um, but I also think that, you know, theater plays a role in the, the in the world i think art plays a, a role in um in society and especially in dc i think you know we, we are also very fortunate enough to to push the boundaries here in dc and have people watch these shows that are you know they're involved in that political war that political world so sometimes you know for us to make these statements that we make um for instance the show that i'm in right now we make a lot of references toward donald trump and um just kind of the chaos that is his presidency lately. Um, you know, there are, are tweets in our show and we, we, we really hit hard on a lot of images as far as what's in society today. And I think that that's, I don't know, I think that's important. I think it's, um, and it plays a part. So, you know, I'm very happy to be involved in, in theater and happy to, you know, express a message and, and get people thinking about things. I know that some of the work that you've been doing uh, in other mediums, um, like video and, and, uh, I know that, uh, you'd, we talked about how you'd, you'd run for, uh, county board seat with, no, sorry, a, a state seat mm-hmm. in, uh, in Maryland recently. What better way to get involved and to, and to play a role than, than to dive in? Yeah, it was, uh, probably one of the scariest things I've ever done in my life. Um, you know, here's a, a guy that has a background in theater and, and, you know, does IT work during the day. And, um, y- you know, much like a lot of people out there, the last election really affected me. It mm-hmm. Just like I can't even put into words how much um, the election affected me. And, you know, post-election, I was going through all sorts of emotions. I mean, I was just like angry and just sad and just, you know, lost and, you know, felt like something, you know, I wanted to do something. I wanted to respond somehow. And I was, you know, angry at a lot of things. I was angry at obviously, uh, the whole process of the election. I was even angry at just Democrats in general and, you know, even politicians that, you know, I'm used to interacting with local politicians. I just felt like, um, just a lot of people just kind of failed and just didn't do enough. And, um, you know, I was, there was fortunate enough to hear about, a an open seat, uh, for the local, um, state Senate in my district. And, um, it was kind of a, a weird thing where, you know, Barbara Mikulski was retiring, Chris Van Hollen won the seat and there was this big domino effect of the congressman, 
Um, so Van Hollen went up to be Senate. There, there was a vacancy in the Congress. So mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, Jamie Raskin ran, and he was our state senator. So there was this empty seat, and they were having this special election. And I thought about it, and I just, you know, one of my heroes and, and people that I look up to the most is Barack Obama. Um, and I just remember, you know, hearing a speech from him where he says, you know, if you want to, you know, he really hit hard on saying, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, there's a huge part of me that wants our politicians to change. You know, I want our political quote unquote leaders to, to just do better and, and be better at what they do and really you know, focus on the core part of their job and that's to represent their constituents. Um, and I just thought like, okay, I can be upset and, and hope that they'll change and tell them to change, or I could just, you know, be the change. So I said, okay, why not? Let's do this. So I entered my name in for the special election. Um, mm -hmm. it was, uh, myself and three other people. And, um, there was, uh, two delegates that were running for that spot. And I, I was definitely the long shot. I really mm -hmm. didn't stand a chance at all, mm -hmm. but I knew that um, I wanted to do it and, and give it a shot, and I did. Um, uh, I didn't get it, but I'm still very happy that I went through the process and put myself out there and tried something new. While you were running, did you find yourself slipping into a character space? Or did you, like, how, Put putting that another way, how much in your experience as you know, as a first time candidate, did you feel like the tools that you use on a regular basis as a performer, as a sort of, as a, as a creative, as a, as a director, how much of that played into, um, into how you positioned yourself as a candidate and how you, uh, how you thought about the space while you were running? Yeah. So I, um, you know, I think that there's definitely a benefit in, you know, having a background in theater because it's all about communication. Um, I think communication is key, uh, especially, you know, if politicians can't communicate their ideas and, and, you know, it's just not, uh, I don't know, it doesn't work. So I do think that having a background in theater was a huge benefit in being able to communicate my ideas and my thoughts. Um, but one thing I did not want to do is go in playing a part. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my other frustrations with politicians is they, they, play a part um and you know i would rather you know get to the center of a person and, and really feel their you know i want to i want to know that, that whatever that they're saying is is whatever they're speaking is truth that it's coming from the heart that it's not something that's fabricated and and rehearsed and it's funny saying that coming from an actor that mm -hmm. rehearses all the time for things um and don't get me wrong, there's certainly some preparation and practice involved, but I, you know, you can kind of see through the BS on a lot of people mm -hmm. that are up there on the, on the microphone talking about their ideas. Um, and I think, you know, what we noticed, especially in this last election is that people are looking for that realness. I think that part of why Donald Trump was so successful is because he was not a politician and he, you know, while was a complete, in my eyes, an asshole about going about things and putting people down, but he at least said what was on his mind as crazy as it was. Um, it wasn't that politician attitude, that politician part that he was playing. He was just being straightforward and people wanted that. I think they're sick of, you know, politicians playing that part of a politician. Mm -hmm. Um, so going into it, I knew that I didn't want to be like that. I just wanted to, 
say what was on my mind, say what was in my heart. Um, and you know, that's, yeah, that's really all I wanted to do. And, um, again, while I didn't win, I'm, I'm, you know, glad I at least stayed true to myself and didn't try to play a part or didn't try to play a character. And yeah. For me, this is one of the most frustratingly interviewee questions a person can ask. Okay. And I'm going to ask it anyway. All right. Um, running on that vein of truth, like being really upfront about who you are and being very honest about how you portray yourself in public office as an actor, how much do you find that the characters that you play need to have that kernel of truth? Like how much, how much do you seek out that same sort of honesty in, in the roles that you take on? Cause I, I don't, I'm not sure if it's necessary. I don't know. Like, I think there are a lot of actors who just say, you know, who are able to play the character and it's just the character, but I'm, I'm curious how much of how much you need something to hold. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I think having something real does help me. Um, I am not that type of actor that, you know, I think if I, if I was that type of actor that could just portray something, uh, flawlessly without any sort of truth, I think I, would probably uh, be in Hollywood or <laughs> be in movies, but um, I think having something real absolutely helps. And anytime I play a character, I always try to find something that has uh, happened in my life that was real that that can kind of match whatever it is I'm doing on stage or, or whatever part that I'm playing. Um, and uh, it it just it helps me. I mean, mm-hmm. I yeah, I, I I really try to link something in my life to it really helps me out on stage and helps me just deliver whatever that message or whatever it is I'm saying or doing. It just, uh, it's just so much more effective whether yeah. I'm happy or sad. I'm, you know, always thinking about something in my life to help drive that, uh, particular scene. I mean, I guess really in general right now, are there any big touchstones that you've been working with, um, regularly? Is, is there anything, I mean, it, there's a lot of emotional stuff going on right now yeah. in the world and, um, is there anything that's been driving you creatively both on stage and, and sort of in your own work? Yeah. So th- I mean, you know, this show in particular has been actually kind of a rough process just because the, the show is, a, it's a dark show. It's, um, it covers topics that are very heavy on the heart. Um, so it, it's been a little rough doing this show. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, in the show, we do a lot of scenes where we're just going full out physically and just wailing our arms and just um, kind of this like moment of huge frustration where we're actually covered in, in flour, uh, almost <laughs> as if like, you know, buildings have collapsed on us. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're basically, you know, slamming our hands on the floor and, and, and putting them up in the air as if like, you know, God, why are you letting this happen? Um, and, you know, it's those types of moments that, uh, for me, it's actually a huge stress reliever, um, you know, just with all the things that happen during the day with life, with work and day job stuff. And um, so to be able to kind of go full out and just like wail on the stage a little bit and, and get out your frustrations, it's, uh, you know, as I'm wailing my arms, I might have uh, a motivation from whatever happened at work or a conference call that I thought somebody was being rude and I just let it all out on the stage and it, uh, you know, it, it helps me, helps me with the show. Yeah. I can 100% relate to that. 
as you're moving through the show, I know that once once you're in uh, once you're in production, you're sort of looking on to the next thing, or at least a lot of people are looking towards the next thing. So, um, is there anything that you're working on outside of Synetic, or anything, or there, are there any shows coming up that you're excited about that you're uh, you're looking forward to putting some some forward facing energy into? Yeah. So you know, uh, before the election, so one thing that I really like doing is I, I like making films and. Mm-hmm. Some of the films that I make really focuses around um, uh, civic engagement and 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 politics in general. Um, I like being able to put together creative videos to like reach people in a in a fun and creative way about a specific idea. So like I you know I made a video about you know you should go and vote and why you should vote, um, especially kind of geared toward millennials. Um, and I really enjoyed that and it had a really good effect and. Um, after this show, you know, the unfortunate thing is, is when I'm in a show, it is impossible to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I work, you know, full time, so I work all day and then I rehearse all night. Um, mm-hmm. it's an extra 40 hours of rehearsal, uh, anytime I'm on top of the 50 hours that I work just on my, uh, on my day job. So I have no social life and no time to do anything else. Um, <laughs> But looking ahead, I know that I want to do more filmmaking mm-hmm. for sure. Um, I was very, you know, lucky enough to uh, just before I started um, rehearsals for this show, I made a, a short video. It was kind of a thank you video for Obama, mm-hmm. and I was lucky enough to it went viral. It got 4.5 million hits on uh, on Facebook, which was something I had never experienced before. Yeah, um, and kind of once I got that. Uh, once that you know kind of happened i got that little itch i'm just like okay i want to do this again mm-hmm. um so i think you know as soon as the show closes i'll probably focus more on on producing uh video content um on all sorts of topics just to yeah just to reach people i think the obama video had such a i mean i had people messaging me saying you know like you know that made me cry and it was amazing and that was so touching and um, to get that kind of response, to be able to reach people is, you know, obviously I do that in theater and, and love it. So when that happened, uh, via film, I was blown away and was just like, yeah, I got to keep doing this. So, um, hopefully, uh, once the show ends, we'll, uh, focus on that and, mm-hmm. uh, see what we can come up with. What do you think people, what do you want to talk to people about, um, moving forward? Yeah. So I, you know, I, I'm big on civic engagement, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, it, it breaks my heart to see the statistics behind people that show up to vote or people that do not show up to vote. Yeah. Um, and, uh, while I am not a huge fan of Donald Trump, I will say the greatest thing that has come from Donald Trump is the motivation of civic engagement for people. Um, you see a lot more people getting involved and paying attention, um, but I don't think it's enough. I think that we've got a whole younger generation of people that are coming up, these new voters that are, you know, turning 18 that, you know, if they continue to turn on the news and see the way our political climate is today, they're not going to want to pay attention. They're not going to want to vote. Um, so I would love to kind of create uh, content around, um, you know, just kind of gearing people leaning people to just kind of pay attention you know they don't have to spend mm-hmm. their life you know reading the headlines and watching the news please don't do that you're just going to be <laughs> depressed um yeah but you know we all have a part to play in society and there's a lot of power behind your vote and that's what i'd love to communicate and and get people motivated to do and and hopefully also focus on local politics i think that uh, what people don't realize is they they think that you know the 
the federal government is is the end all be all that the president uh, has all the power and and is the person to say yes or no but there's a lot that happens in local politics that that makes a difference just in your community and right next door um, and at your door so it'd be nice to get people uh, kind of leaning toward paying attention to local politics as mm-hmm. well that you know when it comes to when it comes to federal law the people who determine how those laws are implemented and how they affect us directly as citizens are our state representatives those those are the laws that actually get enforced by the police and by public policy on the local and state level so the best way to either affect change or stave off negative you know negative changes is to you know push that influence on that level to start to shift that or or hold hold off some of the negative effects that we want to try and avoid moving down the road yeah it's tough right now the political climate is amen pretty toxic <laughs> yeah i mean the, yeah, it's, it's it's toxic and it's i mean it, it's sad that we've reached this point of uh reality tv as news and news as reality tv it is but you know the the real question is it's just like okay what are we going to do with this are we going to bounce back and do the right thing are we going to go in the right direction or are we going to you know crumble and 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 give in to the chaos that is happening. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned. We'll, we'll find <laughs> out. It's exciting to hear that you're, you know, you're looking towards doing more video. I'm like, do you think you have a busy year after the show with Synetic? Or are you thinking about doing, you know, taking a little bit more time towards video or? Yeah, that's a, a great question. So uh, the new season was just announced. So I actually don't know what shows are lined up for, for mm-hmm. next year. Um, I am, uh, getting married soon so thank you i'm very excited so i will be taking a break from theater at least for the end of the for the rest of the year Mm -hmm. um so any future theater projects will happen in 2018 um but i know that uh as far as you know filmmaking it's definitely something i want to commit myself to uh, commit my creative energy toward um so yeah so i'll probably maybe take a a little bit of time off from theater and and focus more on film but Mm -hmm. uh yeah, we'll see. Do you think you're going to, are, are you thinking that you'll make another foray back into politics or is that a, yeah, a one time thing for now? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's still a, a fire inside of me that wants to, um, wants to change things. It's just, you know, I don't know if, you know, being that candidate or being that person on the other side of things is where I can affect the most change mm-hmm. by, by being a different type of, um, person in politics or if I'm, you know, better suited on the other side, you know, whether it's making this video content and kind of rallying troops and getting people excited and focused. Um, that's, that's kind of a question that I still ask myself every day. And mm-hmm. people ask me every day, they said, you know, are you going to run again? Or, you know, what are you going to run for? And I don't have the answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know 2018 is just around the corner. I have no plans on um, running for anything in 2018. But uh, never say never. We'll see. It's interesting to me that once you've started running for something, the assumption always is that you're going to run for something else. So the answer is not like, no, I did that. I'm good. It's I have no plan. I have no plan to run. I have no intention to run. But there's this always... The door's always got to stay open. Yeah, and and while my running for the Senate open uh, state Senate seat was kind of reactionary as far as my emotions and what I was feeling at the time, um, you know, most people probably say, you know, you don't stand a chance, don't bother. But you know, I still went for it anyway. So the person that uh, did get it was our our delegate, mm-hmm. which meant that there was an open delegate seat. <laughs> 
And <laughs> everyone had just assumed like, oh yeah, well, if he ran for state Senate, then he's probably going to run in for that open vacancy for the delegate seat. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I decided not to, um, you know, everybody assumed it, but you know, I thought it was, I don't know, it was it, the whole process to me was fascinating. It was the first time I had ever experienced something like that. And I thought the process was just fascinating, both in a, in a, in a cool way and a very sad way. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a lot of things that, that kind of happened during that process. It was very disappointing. Um, but one of the questions that I was asked, uh, during one of the candidate, uh, forums, uh, was, you know, how, how will you support, uh, local, women uh, leaders and, and women running for office. And, um, you know, some of the answers that people gave were, I don't know, very cookie cutter and mm-hmm. just said, you know, well, we need to, you know, teach them and support them and mm-hmm. this and that. Mm-hmm. And my response was, we don't need to teach them. They just need to, we need to just support them and let them run. They're smart, uh, very talented people that should just run and we should just be there to support them. And um, for the delegate seat, there were uh, a couple of women that were running that I supported personally. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, well, you know, the way I'm going to support them is to not run against them. Yeah. Um, and I respected them uh, tremendously and, and wanted to see them in those seats. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided not to run. Um but yeah, there's a lot of assumption of just like, okay, you're going to run at the next election. And for now I'm not. And, um, yeah. So as someone who works in theater, especially in, um, theater, that's so physical where when you talk about truth, it's, it's much more representative, but it's still pointing at something that's very important and very valid. Do you think that the work that you're doing through the theater, through video has the capacity to move people in a way that politicians have struggled with especially when what a fact is, whether or not what something, some, what someone is saying is true is, is in constant question. Uh, yes. I think that, um, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of BS that's out there these days. Um, and anytime I turn on the news or, or watch, you know, speeches from politicians, you know, I, I see and I hear BS. Um, and you know, some of the content that I make is very, um, very to the point i don't like to get too intellectual in the way that i i talk i'm a very straightforward person um and i think again just getting to the heart of an idea or um i don't know an action Mm -hmm. uh i don't know it just can have so much more of an effect on people um and i you know i've again notice that when the responses that I get, whether it's through theater after the show or, or through these videos and comments and don't get me wrong, I get a lot of negative comments too, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, what, what brings me the most satisfaction is, is when I reach people. Um, and I think that there is absolute power in, um, in some of the things that I create. I mean, obviously there is power in, media there's power i mean i mean if you just look at the news and you know fox news is as you know unfair and unbalanced as they are um they are a very powerful uh form of media that people follow and react to and and you know they cause people to to move to to react to to act um and I would want to see more out there to get people to, to act and to move in a more positive way. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I think a lot of stuff that's out there is very negative. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily want to be uh, partisan, you know, I mean, while I am a Democrat and, uh, believe in, uh, the ideas of the Democratic Party, um, I, I am more focused on reaching people on a human level. Mm-hmm. I hate the idea of just because someone has a, an R or a D in front of their name or they're associated with some political party that that makes them the enemy. Um, I think that people have just gotten too focused on, you know, what party someone belongs to. And, and they automatically think that if they're of a different political party, that they are somebody that you can't get along with and cannot, um, sit next to or, or give a hug to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I think that's sad. And so what I want to focus on in anything that I do as far as messaging is that, uh, you know, it's not so much that I want Democrats to go out and vote and be civically engaged. I want everybody to be civically engaged. I don't care yeah. if you're a Democrat or Republican. Yeah. Um, I want everybody to vote. Um, that that's what that's what I want. So um, again, my goal is just to, you know, really just focus on the human element of things and and reach people and and get people to act, no matter who they are or what their background is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I 100% agree. And I was just thinking about, uh, there was an article floating around a while back. Um, I don't know how to tell you how to care about other people. At first it was like, it, it resonated with me a lot because it's hard. I think that there's a level of contemporary progressive politics that is trying to tell other people why they should care about the plight of other people who aren't in the same situation they're in. But on the flip side, it's a really unfortunate position to feel like progressives have to take. You know, having progressive, especially progressive Democrats, feel like they don't have the space or the energy or the will to help, try to help other people see why it's important to be compassionate to people who don't have the same space as us is, is kind of throwing in the towel and deciding, okay, cool we won't do that either. Um, and I, I would love to see a space where there's more media that does exactly the opposite and says, okay, cool. I don't, no matter what you say or think about the world, I'm going to keep trying to convince you that it's worth giving a shit about other people and about what the world looks like, even if it's not affecting you. Um, and I think that there's something, there's a powerful space for art, and for direct messaging that, that really cuts to the truth of a thing to, to, and to have that kind of positive effect. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I, you know, if it were up to me, we would have, you know, members of Congress, I, you know, it's a, a weird thing that I would make a rule where they're required to like, you know, eat lunch together every day and we, we, we get to witness it or we get to listen <laughs> in on the conversation. Like, for whatever reason, people just want to hide behind their, you know, screens and, and, and not interact with each other. Um, yeah, I just would love to see so much more positivity. Um, Mm -hmm. again, this idea of, you know, I'm going to disagree with you and I'm going to demonize you in the process. Like since when did, could we not just like disagree about something and just talk about it, um, without demonizing someone Mm -hmm. and just putting them in the ground and, and just, treating them as if they are, you know, this idea of like just the enemy, they're not the enemy. Like 
you know, we're, we're all Americans, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It's just, and I, I constantly have this feeling of just like, oh, like, why can't we just take a step back and just relax, take a deep breath, like hug it out. And like, let's just like focus on moving stuff forward. Cause I mean, as, as you know, like everybody hates Congress, they've got horrible approval ratings and, <laughs> and like how, how they can continue through their job and be and act like they are and have like worse approval ratings than like, I don't know, like head lice. I think I saw on Rachel mm-hmm. Maddow or something yeah. like that um, is beyond me. I mean, they should be embarrassed for themselves. Like it's just like, Oh, congratulations. You're a Senator or you're a Congressman, but um, nobody likes you. Like, you know, you one of 10 people like you. But I feel like it's so, so much of it has, it becomes this, this split between hyperpartisanism where it's like, I, I might really disagree with 80% of the positions you've taken on policy, but I need the caucus to succeed on big ticket items. And yeah. so unless there's a really viable primary candidate who's going to come at you, which they won't do because the institution will say, no, we need the caucus. Um, you know, I'm going to vote for you. And, and on the flip side, they represent their constituents to the extent that they need them to vote and they're going to spend money on advertising. But right. in terms of their actual, like who they're beholden to, I mean, I feel like Congress gets to decide how much they get paid. Congress has control over their benefits. Congress has like Congress controls their contracts and where they don't have control. There are people and corporations with massive amounts of money who want to throw influence around. And that's not to say that there are like, there are plenty of good senators and plenty of good Congress people who like want to do the right thing. But at the same time, it's, I mean, it's in, yeah, it's tough. I mean, you, yes, you've got a couple, couple good ones in there that yep. are really fighting for doing the right thing. Um, but for whatever reason, it's just, you know, this, they treat it as like the game quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they play that game. Like it's, I mean, every day, um, yeah, I just need to realize that it's not a game. You mm-hmm. know, people's lives are at stake. They're, you know, people really need them to focus on doing their job so that they can live a better life and, and just have a, yeah, just have a better life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just hard to watch, but they just, uh, would rather play the game than do what they were hired to do. Yeah. I, I still have hope. I still have hope. Yes. Um, so do I. I, I think I'd rather, I'd rather be wrong and have hope about the whole thing, like be wrong and still believe that we can do this thing right and be better. Yeah. I think that, you know, the things that I've witnessed, especially since the election of, you know, kind of, especially the younger generation of people that are stepping up and, um, kind of moving up in the ranks and, and running for things and making their voices heard and, and really putting themselves out there. I think that it's very encouraging. I Mm -hmm. think that, uh, um, yeah, I think the younger generation that there are just some rock stars that are really, uh, stepping up to the plate and, and, you know, I hope to see that continue. And I, that's it, it, that's what brings me hope. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because and it's kind of what I've realized now that it's been, you know, six months or whatever. It's, uh, it's only temporary. Like I, I feel like, yeah. you know, we're going to get through this. You know, I, I really believe that. I think that, um, you know, the, as I've witnessed as, as, as much as the one man in, in a white house is, uh, 
causing destruction and chaos and it's just being just kind of just mean um you know there there are other people out there that that are you know a light in the world that are you know bringing positivity and um you know one person isn't going to mess this up for the rest of us mm-hmm. we're we're too powerful i mean you know i saw it in like the women's march and all these other protests and and just people speaking out and uh you know i i've seen the power in people joining together to um to say no that's not okay mm-hmm. or no i don't agree with that um and that's been incredible and i think that as long as we kind of keep that uh momentum going um, to continue to raise our voices and come together to say, no, that's not okay. You, that we're not going to be okay with you doing that, that, uh, you know, you're seeing resistance. You're think you're seeing, you know, ideas and things that, uh, the president wants to put in place that he can't. And mm-hmm. it just goes to show that, you know, there's one person's not going to mess this up for the rest of us. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, I truly believe we'll, we'll come out on top after, uh, we kind of get through this and however, I mean, who knows what's going to happen. Honestly, every day is something new, but, uh, it is only temporary. Yeah. And I will say just building on that with one last thing. Um, what makes me feel really positive, really positive about the future. When I think about like what, what's going to be good down the road is that not only are people looking at what is hopeful and saying, no, people are looking actively looking for the things that are wrong and how to fix it um, in a way that I think there have always been people calling those things out, but I think people are, you know, I think the, the broader populace, you know, I think white America is questioning their privilege. I think that, um, I think that coastal America is thinking about what it means to change the conversation around being an entire country. I think that we're, people are, actively looking for ways not just to get back to where we were before 2016 but to move forward and let go of some of the some of the baggage not all but some of the baggage that got us there in the first place and we certainly have a long way to go but um but i am absolutely hopeful and i you know every day i i see things that are, are pushing us in that direction and uh yeah it's I've got hope. That's our episode. Hope you enjoyed it. You can find out more about Scott at applyingtoeverything.xyz slash guests. Check out some of Scott's filmmaking on Facebook at Scott Brown for MD or follow him on Twitter at Scott Brown DC. Also, while the Synetic show we talked about The Mark of Cain is no longer playing. You can find out more at applying to everything.xyz slash guests and find out more about the company and future shows at cinetictheater.org. You can find out more about this show at applying to everything.xyz or on iTunes and Google Play where you can subscribe to, rate, and review the show. If you're in the DC area and you don't get enough of me in the show, check out Laugh Index Theater's cloaking device a long-form improv team I perform with at the DC Art Center in Adams Morgan. We're performing in a special Halloween showcase October 28th, and tickets are available now online through Laugh Index Theater. Thanks to Humble Fire for the use of our theme song, Mount St. Misery, off of The Great Resolve, 
available on iTunes, Spotify, and at humblefire.band. I'd also like to thank Chiara Scarcella for designing our logo. Tune in next week for my conversation with Gigi Modrich about comedy, native identity, and kicking ass on stage and on skates. Talk to you then.